Damn it! <laughs> oh, my vagina hurts. What the fuck? You're listening. You're to listening radio. to Radio Free Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I am your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It is April 5th. <laughs> uh, it's May. It's May. It's actually not April at all. It's May 5th. And I haven't updated my notes. God damn it. Damn it. So transparent is my notes taking. Uh, no, no, the, the things you hear every week on my show, not, not off the cuff. I actually have them written down. <laughs> and I read them. Poorly, I might add. Oh, God. Okay, it is May 5th. <laughs> and despite that intro, I do have a great show for you this week. <laughs> I got Warlock Storm on the show this week. That's right, from Art on You Studios right here in the Utah State. Kicking it with me old school. Uh, we're going to be talking about his new Inkathon this year. New, as in annual, as in this year. <laughs> is. This year is. Inkathon. Uh, I also. Uh, okay, so that's going to be in the Infernal Informant. The other uh, article, or second half of the Infernal Informant. Internet has extended battlefield in war on terror. And before that, in The Devil's Advocate. Great Lie is Long. And that's actually a snippet of the real title of the article. And this is. Truly an article from the collection Letters from the Devil, published by Underworld Amusements. Love those guys. Check them out. And it touches on, I don't know, um, early exposure to Satanism point of view or uh, shake. I always loved, <laughs> okay, a little transparency here. I loved Rocky and Bullwinkle growing up because they always had two titles for each episode, like, um, Rocky escapes danger, or why you shouldn't eat cake on a railroad track. <laughs> like, there was always this sort of alternate spin on the, uh, on the episode to give you sort of a comedic view, or, or as I'm gonna frame it, a third side perspective of said cartoon episode. I always loved that, and so I always try to do that with, I don't know, my life. <laughs> I always give alternate spins on everything. Um, so I guess, I guess my take on this article is either, um, uh, Great Lie is Long, or what it's like to realize that, uh, Satanism is not what you think it is. <laughs> like people who think, oh, I'm, I'm a Satanist, I want to be a Satanist. And then they realize what it really is and they're like, uh, I guess I could fake it for a while, but not really what I think. <laughs> that that's touched on in this article and I wanted to bring that up sorry about the Rocky Bullwinkle tangent does anyone know who those are 
like cartoon character. It's like a squirrel and a moose. Of the weirdest dynamic duos for a cartoon. I could not imagine a more. Right? A squirrel and a moose. How weird is that? And they had like Dudley Do-Ride and this really... It was it was the cartoon that always had the maiden tied to the railroad tracks. Like, if you're a bad guy, why wouldn't you try to take said maiden and have your way with her or convince her by your own lesser magic or, or wiles, we'll say, to be on your side? Why are you going to try to tie her to a railroad track? She was a beautiful girl. Dudley do right. Was he like a Canadian Mountie or something? <laughs> That's the other. How many heroes do Canadians have? They have like one dude. One dude from a cartoon in obscurity no one has ever heard of. Except for me. <laughs> I'm bringing it back for you, Canada. Canadian. You and your maple syrup. <laughs> Brothers forever. Um, oh yeah, the show. <laughs> in the creature feature. And yes, yes. I've pre-recorded said interview with Warlock Storm, and yes, we were imbibing in a little homebrew, which might go to explain a little of my ranting. I will try to rant it in. And in the creature feature, I saw a show with my wife while I was on vacation that I loved. It is called The Evil Dead, and this is the remake that was recently released of my love of a series, Evil Dead 1 and 2 and Army of Darkness, as a young man slash teenager slash child. So, I'm going to give you my little take on that gem of a show. And that should be the entirety of the show. Before I dive into the show, and I, I know I'm talking about a bunch of shit that doesn't have anything to do with anything, but that's what I do, that's how I roll. I was approached, here, okay, maybe I should back up a little bit. This podcast for me, I, I do it for fun. Obviously, I don't get paid for this. Um, I do this for fun. It's an exercise of, of of passion. I I truly love Satanism. I I am a Satanist, so I I can't help but have a passion for it. I mean, it's a gigantic part of who I am. It informs my life, my my actions on a daily basis, how I think, how I see the world. And so I do this podcast as, sort of an, as an homage, like I. I Satanism has has opened up my life, has has given me so many rewards. I'm going to do what I can to pay it back. And that maybe as far as this show goes, uh, hopefully, a little bit of fun, a little bit of humor, a little bit of education about what Satanism really is for a grown-ass man and not some basement dweller child. Um, so that the that's why I do this show. I, I do it for fun. While I do this show, I meet some truly amazing people i i have i i build relationships with some truly amazing human beings that i cherish and i always run in from time to time with someone who really hates a friend of mine or sees an acquaintance of mine that they cannot stand and they let me know this is something that i run into a lot and I mean, you run into this in life in general. It's always weird when I run into it with Satanism. I There are people that I'm associates with because it's mutually beneficial. Whether that's promotion or financial business. There are people that I am friends with because I, I truly respect what they are capable of. And what they do. 
for a living or just for a hobby. There are people that I'm friends with uh, because I like their personalities. I don't agree with them all the time, but I appreciate them for what they are. Um, a while ago, there was this um, uh, uh, sort of weird social networking thing that came up where, where someone said, um, I can't believe this individual thinks this way. I thought I knew them. I apparently never knew them. And I always look at it like, <clears throat> if you have a pet snake, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're playing with said pet snake and said pet snake bites you, are you shocked that the snake bit you? Like, it's a snake. What What is it going to do? That's the same way I look at people. You know this person you're corresponding with is said way. You've been told or through personal experience. So why are you surprised when they act said way? I, I and, and maybe this is a broader conversation on, on how I see people. I don't see people because of what they aren't. I don't like people because of what they aren't. And, and so let, let, let me sort of pay this off. I don't like my wife because she has not disassociated herself with her Mormon early upbringing. I went to great lengths to disassociate myself with that ridiculous cult. But my wife didn't. That's not why I like her. I like her because she's an amazing woman. She loves me and supports me. She's given me two incredibly beautiful children. And she supports what I do. I, I love her because she loves me. I don't love her for what can be perceived as faults. Well, that's the same way with friends. I have very good friends who consider themselves good Mormons, though <laughs> they really aren't. Uh, but that's, that's their worldview. I don't like them as friends because of that. I like them as friends because of who they really are. To me, not to someone else. This sort of falls in suit with everything in life. So when I have a friend, it may be in stark contrast to my own personal worldview. It, it, they may have ideas that go beyond and, and are actually, if directed at me, quite insulting. But I still consider them friends and I don't judge them for it. Not because you shouldn't judge for whatever fucking reason, just because I see them as the snake they are, and I'm not shocked if they bite me, because it's a fucking snake. I, this has come up a lot in, in recent years since I've been doing this podcast. I never apologize for my friends, and I never apologize for my acquaintances. And if you're the type of person that sees my acquaintances or my friends and judges me based on them? Well, that says nothing about me, but it says a whole hell of a lot about you. What I am pleasantly surprised with is that I'm not the only one that thinks this way, and that you can be an individual human being in this world, and people will be okay with it. I think that's great. And if you run into one of those few people who say, oh, I can't believe you uh, had dinner with X, person or I can't believe that you're friends with Y person because they did Z. Well, that may sound like a lot of weird algebra, but <laughs> they're the one that has the problem, not you. 
Don't apologize for your behavior is what I'm getting at. Don't apologize with your associates. There's a reason why you're keeping them at uh, arm's length or, or, or shoulder length. There's a reason why you're associating with them. And it's not incumbent upon you to explain it to anyone. You're a grown-ass human being. You have your own reasons. And that's good enough. Life is not a social ladder. And you should not be treating it as such. So, yeah, a lot of weird stuff has been happening in life in general. And so I just wanted to sort of touch on that. Another thing, actually, and I'm sort of jumping the ship here. I'm terribly sure what that's supposed to mean. Um, I never expected, and this is sort of where I started with this and sort of went off on a tangent. I never expected to make money doing this podcast because it's a passion. It's a, it's a hobby of mine. It's, it's something that I want to do. Um, I never expected to make money. And so I was stunned when I received, you know, when, when companies reach out to me saying, Hey, we would like to sponsor your show. If you give us a little commercial blurb, we will give you kickback for other people doing this. Now, this is normal in the podcasting realm. Uh, Any successful podcast has a number of sponsors that they promote, pimp out. And so I gave it some thought and I thought, well, uh, I never really thought of myself you know, being able to, even if it's like a, a penny and to make any money from this, but it can't lie. It would be nice, you know, sort of justify the amount of time I put into this show, a bit of a payoff. So I thought, okay, cool. So I, I sort of jumped through the hoops that were outlined for me to uh, receive said sponsorship. And I got an email back a little while later saying, we have reviewed your application and we are sorry we cannot accommodate you at this time. And I couldn't help but think, you reached out to me. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't call your business and say, hey, would you consider sponsoring my fun drive of, uh, it's for, to end world hunt. I didn't reach out to you for anything. You, you at some point thought that there is money to be made through me or else you wouldn't have reached out to me at all. And then you reached out to me, and then when I reached back, you smacked my hand down. What the fuck? Like, I didn't... Here's the worst part. I did. I was never even considering anyone sponsoring my, my show, ever. Never, not once. And then someone comes to you, and then, like, knocks on your door, and you're like, Oh, hello, how can I help you? And they're like, we would like to sponsor your show. And I was like, weird, but okay, cool. Um... You know about my show, right? And they're like, yep, sure, no problem. We love it. We, we want to sponsor you. And then I say, okay, let's do it. And they're like, eh, second thought, no. Not, not, not entirely down with the Satan thing. <laughs> what do you think this show is about? It's in the positioning statement, man. A satanic perspectum. <laughs> perspectum? Speculum? Of a modern world? This is a satanic show. It is about Satanism. Why we, Why would you reach out to me about that if you didn't think <laughs> that's what it was about? Do you just look at numbers and have no idea what positioning statements mean or what titles mean? Or I, I can understand. I get that you may not understand what nine cents means. It is, I, I will admit, a little obscure, and if you didn't know anything about Satanism, may make no sense at all to you. You see that I have listeners, you see that there's potential for audience, so you reach out to me. Wouldn't you do homework first? 
Like, wouldn't you look, I don't know, maybe at the website of said podcast to see what it's about before you reach out to me saying you want to sponsor my show? And it's not even that it was a bit of a letdown because I, I gotta be honest, I don't really want to burden you guys with the advertising, unnecessary advertising. And I gotta be honest, I keep it away at all costs. But to be approached and saying, we want, we like what you're doing, we like the cut of your jib, let's shake on it. And then when you reach your hand out, they're like, oh, psych, <laughs> no, no, a little hot in the palm area, a little taste of hell, and I don't want to go back. What is happening? So that happened. It, it, it just actually happened to me, and I, I was blown away. Now I am resigned in life to never have a sponsor for this show, and I'm okay with that. But don't be reaching out to me, and then when I reach back, you pull back. Like, do your homework. You have to know what I do. There's, I'm, you search Satanic Podcast, and I am either number one or two. You search Satanism Podcast, I am either nine, number one or number two. You search Nine Cents, and no one else is on the map. And yes, there are other projects that have to do with Nine Cents. You cannot escape what this show is about. So what is wrong with you that you reach out to someone and then pull back? Is it you don't like success? Is that what it is? You, you don't like accomplishments? <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, and then, you know, sort of on his face, to be honest, I'm amazed that any of you ever listened to me. And I have to say, thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. And for those of you who support my various projects, I truly appreciate it and thank you very much. <laughs> Why would you reach out to me and then pull your hand back? What is wrong with you? All right, so that happened. Weird week, man. Weird week. I just got off vacation. I'm still trying to acclimate my asthma. And I got to be honest, I might be sucking wind and reaching for my inhaler here during this because my asthma has been going crazy lately. I mean, really bad. But this weekend has been full of hard labor too. So I got off, I got off vacation and I immediately decided to plant my hop garden bed and plant my traditional garden uh, I guess you call them strips. They're sort of this uh, quarter sun, six strips of, of, of garden bed around this little pond of ours. But yeah, we got it all planted and it's all ready and I'm super excited. Our yard is looking kick-ass lately. But you know what? We're 18 minutes in. I better shut up. Let's go ahead and dive into the devil's advocate. Quick cut. You are your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his character for he is a liar and the father of lies and you are the devil's advocate I'm a Satanist I'm an active member in the Church of Satan but I do not speak for the Church of Satan that is all destruction of the great lie is long hard process and this is actually by Anton LaVey from the collection letters from the devil to underworld amusements has uh, compiled and released it's an amazing collection so I suggest you pick it up if you haven't already but this article that I'm going to be talking about specifically is chock full of goodness. 
And by way of goodness, I mean bad. <laughs> I mean really bad. Um, and, and I'm going to actually cut out a lot of it. I'm sort of going to be jumping around to what I want to speak to specifically in this Devil's Advocate. So uh, please pardon the cutting here. Uh, dear Mr. LeVay, they start. Now to magic. I have felt the power of it in me ever since I became aware that I had a body and that I wanted and lusted after life. I believe it, and it has worked for me on several occasions. I must admit, as I was reading your satanic Bible, that I did not want to get involved in magic for evil purposes, and that I considered myself a white magician. Let me explain the reasons for this possible hypocrisy. I felt very taken and cheated with Christ. I hated him for that and still do. Sometimes I feel <coughs> it will show, but I am not afraid of that feeling. What I am afraid of is this. How can I be sure I won't be taken again by Satan? I am really very wary of alliances after what happened with Christ. Is one an alliance necessary to achieve monetary and sexual fulfillment? I must know more of the inside story of this as I am at the junction. So to speak, uh, I certainly want to get out of this Christian syndrome. I'm afraid my gullibility is my worst enemy. No, no, your ignorance and your inability to let go of ridiculous ideology is your uh, worst enemy. So Anton LaVey <clears throat> responds in kind, saying, um, Dear Mr. E, you needn't worry about being taken by Satan unless you set yourself up as a sucker. Satan is viewed by the Church of Satan as a symbolic being not an anthropomorphic deity, so if you get the short end of a stick, don't look around for a guy in horns to blame. Find out how you set yourself up for a clobbering, and don't make the same mistake again. There are a couple really amazing things touched on in this. Uh, one of which is, it's, it is easy to be, uh, found lacking if you're a Christian. It is easy to see uh, the Christian religion as <clears throat> completely made up and bullshit because it is. It's a completely manufactured organization. It's a business meant to control you. It has nothing to do with any truth or reality or anything. So I understand that you are dissatisfied, that you feel cheated by it. What I don't understand is the inability for people who feel this, but still can't disassociate themselves with the mechanisms, with the structures of that same, very same religion. Now, now this individual has actually stated that they read the Satanic Bible, and yet they still refer to this idea of being taken by Satan as they were taken with Christ, and they're referring to Christ as if it's some actual human essence or, or spiritual essence in the world. And if you are contacting the high priest of the Church of Satan to get clarity on something that is completely spelled out perfectly in the Satanic Bible, you are a fucking idiot. It is, it is shocking. And, and what drives me crazy is that you run into these pseudos all the time. 
it it is everywhere. So just and it, I don't know if it's just sort of that thing of uh um your your breaking off with this organization that has sort of made you feel guilty your whole life, made you feel shamed, and you're sort of finally sort of breaking away. But you don't really want to break away from them, so you see, you still latch on to some of these really kind of crazy ideals that they have. I don't understand that. Like that, that's sort of beyond me. But you run into it all the time. Another thing that was touched on is uh, when Anton Lavey said, "If if this is happening, if you find yourself being a sucker, find out what you're doing and change it." This idea of responsibility, it, on its face, it, it may seem like this obvious thing, but you have to approach it sort of in this writer's um, perspective, they're coming from a place that says everything you do is either a sin or God's will. If it's a sin, it's Satan's will. If it's good, it's God's will. So you have no responsibility there. You can kill someone. Uh, Well, it wasn't your fault. You were overtaken by Satan. Uh, You can help someone. Well, you were blessed by God. You never actually have any achievement or sorrow or, or failure as a human being if you belong to these ridiculous religions. It's it's only, it's only, in my experience, Satanism that says responsibility to the responsible. If you were successful in life, it is because of the effort that you put into it. And if you are not successful... Look at your life. Evaluate why you're... Be honest with yourself, first and foremost. Evaluate why you're not successful. And make steps to improve your life. Unless, of course, you enjoy being a failure. And though, you know, to a lot of us, that's that's a funny notion. But there are people out there that enjoy failure. It's ownership, man. It's taking ownership of your life. Um, w- one thing that was touched on early on is this, this sort of ridiculous notion of, of, of white magician. Uh, I don't want to be taken with Satan because I see myself as a white magician. Well, you it completely ignored one of the fundamental ideas of Satanism, and that is good is what you like, bad is what you don't like. There's no such thing as ultimate evil. There's no such thing as universal good. It's all in the eye of the beholder. You, and if you if you live your life in that way, it is impossible to say a white magician or a black magician. It doesn't make any sense. It just all you can really lie, sort of align yourself with, is working toward your goals or working against your goals. Good and bad has nothing to do with it. There is no universality at all. I mean, the universe is chaotic. We shouldn't even be here. But chances have made it that we are, and so let us apprehend that chance. Let us make our own destiny. Let us own up to it. Let us be responsible. Let us take ownership of our own lives and not leave it in the hands of an invisible person we made up. And certainly after we've shaken them loose from our supposed lives, keep referring to them. If you are a Christian who has become uh, uh, really dissatisfied with Christianity, don't come over 
don't try to come over to my side of the world because we don't want you we have never wanted you we don't want you you don't understand what you've read yourself you don't understand the basic tenets of our ideology you don't understand that the individual has absolute control in one's life you will never succeed you are born to failure and yes there are poor people like you and there's nothing you can do about it you are a failure accept it live your life and then die so that the rest of us can thrive and be successful and happy if you are one of these vermin oh yeah it hurts i'm calling you vermin but that's the truth if you are one of these vermin one you shouldn't be listening to this podcast but two uh stop pretending be honest with yourself you need, you're a slave. You need someone to boss you around. This ain't your bag, baby. Get the fuck out. I, I, I cannot abide pretenders, and I'm so tired of hearing about it. And just knowing that it, it's been going on this long. We're, we're almost 50 years here, people. We're almost 50 years in this organization's existence. And we're still running into the same day one problems. It's infuriating. Does no one know how to read? And if they do read it, does no one know just understanding, comprehension, basic literacy? I, it's, it's, it's shocking that so few people truly understand what they've said and claim to understand. This is our world. We run this thing. <laughs> I mean, that's you may not like it. It may bother you. This is my house, and I will not abide people like you in it. Get the fuck out. All right, a little bit of preachy there. Sorry about that. Let's go ahead and dive into the Infernal Informant. I've got a great interview with uh, Warlock Storm, and then after that, a little bit of news. See you there. Psst. Hey, 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 come here. Psst. What? Huh? Me? Do I know you? religious man aren't you no more than anyone else listen listen i got a secret it's, it's been eating me up and i gotta share it with someone get the fuck out of here kid i don't know you no listen man it's about you it's about your life you're about to have what what alcoholics refer to as your moment of clarity what are you talking about are you okay son sins are indisposable to every society organized on an ecclesiastical basis they are only reliable weapons of power priest lives upon sins. It's it's necessary to him that there be sinning. Who the fuck are you, kid? I'm your infernal informant. I'm being joined by Storm from Art on You Studios. It's a amazing tattoo shop located here in the Salt Lake Valley. And it's actually located in Magna proper, but it's so close I still consider it Salt Lake. Storm, how are you? Well... Thank you for having me back on the show. Uh, I liked how you called it sort of our annual uh, <laughs> segment that we do. It's pretty awesome. Once again with the home brew, which mm-hmm. I'm always happy to come over for that, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> well, and, and like you did mention, this is a, sort of an annual thing since I've been doing this podcast. Um, we we like to get together and talk about your, our, your Inkathon that is uh, happening. And we've actually talked about this every single year that I've done this show, but... Because there's always new listeners, or sometimes regular listeners don't listen to every single episode, or they may have missed it. 
Let's do a little bit of a laying a groundwork, so to speak. Cool. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Art on You? What, what is Art on You? Art on You Studios, tattoos, piercings, and needful things. <laughs> uh, we are out in the thriving metropolis of Magna, which I suppose it is uh, metropolis since we are still part of the Salt Lake Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, but Magna is also kind of its own little world out there, and I think that's what attracted us out there. And Art on You is, uh, by the extended name, it is a tattoo shop. We do some piercings also. And we have an area of our needful things, which consists of T-shirts, stickers, uh, body jewelry, that sort of thing. Well, yeah. And you've actually, uh, I mean, you've gone, as, as with any tattoo business, you've gone through a, an evolution of terms. I mean, you, you, and I guess this is just speaking to artisans in general, where you, you start out, uh, you apprentice under uh, someone who teaches you the ropes, and you sort of take that knowledge and you run with it and you still open up your own shop. Uh, ideally, most people do, but you certainly did. And the difference, I think, between your story and the average artist's story is that you've become massively successful with what you're doing. You're, uh, you have this thriving community that, that supports you in not only the, these inkathons that you have, but and this is sort of something that I think you would run into in, in a lot of uh, talented artists, where you, you garner sort of a following of, of people who want to be tattooed by you and sort of want to have you own their skin, so to speak, where they continually come back to you. It's, and it, you know, it's been just awesome. And I really thank all those collectors out there that continue to uh, collect my words, works in their flesh galleries. And it's been a process. You're right. It's been uh, quite some time, almost 10 years that I've been doing this now. And, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about the people that continue to follow what I do and come to me for the work. And yeah, I've, I stay booked out at this point, and it's nice to know that, when, in fact, uh, just before I left the shop to come over here today, uh, the collector I was working on today said, well, how far out are you? And I said, well, if you want a weekday, it's now mid-June. Oh, and I said, if you want a weekend, we're looking uh, somewhere near the end of July. And he said, oh, so he books four appointments on the spot uh, to make sure that he's got some Sundays coming up. You know, and, th- and that's a really neat feeling when you've got people like that. They're saying, wow, I want more of your work. I want a book with you. So it's it's pretty neat. And you're right. I think evolution is definitely a correct term. It's been quite an evolution from me moving from being underneath my mentor when I was back at Attitude Tattoos under Knox and moving eventually onto my own after over five years with him and quite the evolution of artists because artists, I think, are not only cagey when it comes to sort of the seasoned mentors and shop owners, especially the old schoolers, to uh, sort of the next generation of artists that are, you know, sometimes flaky. I mean, there's no two ways about it, to yeah. Just being generally quirky. A lot of artists are quirky, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm definitely weird. Um, I, <laughs> I, I embrace being weird, and I think a lot of artists also embrace that. So it, it creates sort of an evolution that's going to happen with any given shop to find a team that you can assemble that all get along with one another and appreciate the vibe and, and the shop that they're within, and then... When you can have that, you'll finally have a dedicated crew that will stick with you for a while. And it's it's been uh, quite the three and a half years or so that we've been we've been doing this. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Inkathon. Uh, first of all, what is the Inkathon? The Inkathon uh, now it's fourth annual. Wow. Uh, is our our annual philanthropy event. I've always thought that it was important to give back in some fashion to do a, a philanthropy event. 
And uh, we've done, the first year we did the Huntsman Cancer Institute, the second year we did the Humane Society, third year we did it for uh, the local arts, uh, specifically for youth uh, in the arts, and this year, after visiting the Humane Society and the new Kitty City, Renee and I saw a video up on the wall that was very touching, and it was showing the uh, projected area which they don't have a name for it but it's going to be equivalent to kitty cities for the dog so i've been calling it the doggy domain yeah. and uh it's it's going to be to help them so they can also have an area and uh we're going to be doing 20 dollar silhouettes uh that will be on people that will uh reflect what what this year's theme is of course with the humane society and uh all proceeds, every last dime, is going to go to support the Humane Society, and specifically the Doggy Domain. What are some of those silhouettes that people can look for? Uh, we have a wide variety this year. Each year we've kind of increased it. So the first year we just had one option. That was it. You got, uh, well, actually there were two. There were ribbons, but you could either have them pink or you could have them lavender for mm-hmm. breast cancer or for all types of cancer. And then the next year we had a couple of silhouettes. Then last year we had a handful of silhouettes. Yeah. So this year we've increased it again. And you can get your choice of a dog paw print, a cat paw print. Um, we have a rabbit's foot, mouse slash uh, rat foot, a chicken foot, and then we have a snake. <laughs> we have a snake silhouette, and represent all the outdoor creatures because, of course, the Humane Society does appreciate all creatures, domestic or otherwise. We have a bat silhouette. Oh, cool! Which, yeah, which we, you know, of course, we had something that's sort of reflective of us and yeah. our theme of being. Horror and Halloween year-round, as well as outdoor creatures. Oh, that's fantastic. It's always tough when you're doing uh, projects like these. I imagine, whereas you're never quite sure of the turnout, if if the time investment is going to be beneficial for, in this case, the Humane Society or whatever organization is you're working on, what is it about the the, the, the event itself that, that drives you to do these, these uh, philanthropic uh, just... I guess events. I mean, what is it about you know within you that that makes you want to do that? Is is it strictly business? I don't think it's strictly business. I think there's something very rewarding yeah. about doing philanthropy, um, and I think it depends on the you know, on the individual as to what it is that you want to choose. But choose something that you can give back, mm-hmm. because not everybody wants to help out sick individuals, because that can sometimes be depressing. You know, it is, and it, and it's very difficult work to do that. So maybe working with animals is your bag, or maybe there's something that you want to do, like the highway cleanups that you see people out there doing. It's not just the bad kids and orange vests that are out there doing the highway cleanups. Um, whatever it is, it's giving back, and it really does make you feel good when you're giving something back to society. And it doesn't have to be just for the sake of giving back. I, I definitely recommend give back because not only it feels good, but give something back in an area that you really feel passionate about, that, yeah. that you're going to feel good when you give back. And I I find philanthropy to be, be important, and I've been doing philanthropy um, at least fairly consistently since my college days when I was uh, I was, in, I was in a fraternity, uh, Phi Sigma Kappa, and we regularly did philanthropy. That was part of um, – our whole set, we did Brotherhood Scholarship Philanthropy, and that was a very important aspect, and it really stuck with me uh, beyond. And now, yes, there's certainly a business aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you read anything like Napoleon Hill, um, or you look at someone like Dave Ramsey, they always champion uh, doing philanthropy for your business. But for me, I, th- I think the number one reason that we do it is because it feels good, because mm-hmm. it's important to give back to the community that is giving to you. Yeah. And and then yes, you know, from a business perspective, sure, it, it's you know, it is great. You uh, 
you know, you can't help but get a little bit of recognition out of that. But really, for me, that's a side note. Yeah, nice. And I do think it's something, you know, it is a note that needs to be brought up is that, <clears throat> you know, when you're doing these things, you're not just going out and, and uh, throwing away your time, uh, which, I mean, really is just money. So you're not just throwing away your time and money on, on any event. I mean, you know, you're choosing, you're choosing organizations that have some uh, personal reflection or, or, or a, a reflection of a passion that you have within yourself. And I think that's, that's an important thing to note because, you know, when we, we sort of move through this world, it's easy to get caught up in this really sort of absurd um, Christian cord of, you know, help people because you should, because there's some rule somewhere in some book that says that you should do it. But, you know, what's important, at least in my opinion, is that if you're a Satanist, as we both are, you recognize portions of uh, the world that, you know, maybe could do with a little bit of help because you want to do it. It's not because you feel obligated to do it. It's not because someone else says you have to do it. It's because you feel right. that your support, your help could actually do something uh, to, to better that thing, whatever it is. And that's what... That's what I really like about uh, the events that you put on in the past with the Sync Cloud. And that's why I continue to support them, and I will absolutely be there. Um, and I think you might have mentioned about how much is it each, each it tattoo? Is, it is $20 per silhouette. Each silhouette, no, each silhouette is about two inches um, from its widest or tallest points, depending on the piece. And uh, like I said, every last dime is going to go to the Humane Society. We are donating our time and skill, and all the supplies have been donated uh, by our distributors, so all of our tips, tubes, grips, needles, inks, everything's been donated to us. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it is really quite the event that uh, has grown year after year, and we're we're very proud of it. And when you're talking about uh, you know giving back, you know we we've talked about this before, but I absolutely yeah. you I absolutely agree that yes, I we don't do this just because you know when, when you're saying the, like the Christian you know, you give you know because it's the good thing to good thing to do I, I say bullshit you know we're doing it in this case because we truly believe in the animals there are familiars mm -hmm. and in fact i've used that exact term in all of the advertisement all the promotion that's been going out for it i keep referring to them as our as our canine familiars um, because that's important terminology for me as you know as the host of the event that even if they you know the people that are coming to it don't necessarily catch that it's important to me that, that that's what's going out there and that's what I'm staying behind is that they are familiars as opposed to that urchin that's on this the corner at Walmart right. saying give me a handout you know what fuck you, <laughs> you know, seriously we've got a lot of them too you know, and and I, and, 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 I, and I you know I don't care how horrible this sounds I know most of the listeners are also satanists so I kind of feel like um, like I'm when I'm watching American Psycho and I think, get a job, <laughs> Al. You yeah. smell like shit, Al. You know, that whole scene in there, you know, and, and that's exactly, you know, when I, when I see that, that's exactly what I think. I look at him and I think, you know what? Get a job, Al. I just don't even relate to you, you know, and, I, and that's exactly how I feel. A lot of these people out there, and I know that some of them truly are a victim of circumstance, but the vast majority of them are just out there. You know, I, I see them out these brand new Nikes with a sign on it on a cardboard piece that says, give me your fucking money. I think, really? <laughs> I don't think so, yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, but, but our familiars, they they're, they truly are helpless without us. You know, they do need help. They, they need someone to help them get into loving homes that can adopt them and become a part of a family. They, they don't have, 
you know, any way, if, if, obviously, they can't get a job. They can't, you know, <laughs> you know they, 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 get they, a job, Fido. Yeah, yeah, get a job, Fido. <laughs> you know, they, they need help. And, and I think it's important that we have these organizations out there and to support the Humane Society and other organizations that are out there helping the animals. Yeah. When uh, When is this going on? It is going to be a week from yesterday, which will be Saturday, May 11th. It is going to go on from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and it will be at our shop. Uh, which is at 8971 West Magna Main, which is 2700 South here in the Valley. And I actually do know that there's a number of local listeners, uh, so I do suggest that you go and, you know, support a local shop that's doing something that, that rings a chord with, uh, say, say, satanic, uh, you know, elements, satanic points of view, so to speak. But, uh, more just to support the animals. I think that's, I think that's an important uh, notion. But also for those who are not in the valley, who, who just do not have the ability to come, certainly on such short notice as this is going to be going out, you know, seven or six days before the event, um, is there a way that people can donate online? Um, yes. You know, if they want to do that, they could, uh, certainly donate to, through PayPal. Just make sure to note on there that that's what, what the donation is yeah. to. Uh, please have them donated uh, by Saturday, May 11th, because on Sunday we'll be counting and, and trying to have a total for everyone to announce. So please, let's let's cut that off by 8 p.m. on Saturday. You can donate it uh, to the underscore artist underscore storm at yahoo.com. And I'll actually have that on the show notes as well. So if someone wants to check that out and donate that way, uh, it is absolutely appreciated. Uh, it'll help to... Uh, Complete the goals that are set through our new, uh, through this, uh, doggy domain, uh, Inkathon, you know. Yeah. Um, now I know you also have an online presence. <laughs> I helped a little with the recent version of it, but I know you have an online presence. Where can people find you online if they just want to check out some of your needful things? Uh, they can check us out at artonyou.com and, um, by the time the show goes up, they should even have some, uh, some areas of sale. Uh, we have, and I, I'm going to plug myself now. Yeah. Um, we, I have a brand new t-shirt. It is What Would Anton Do? For those that have been following oh, me yeah. for a while. There was a version of that that came out. But uh, now, there is going to be a brand new version of that. The back will have the official Sigil of Baphomet uh, with permission from the Church of Satan. So oh, you'll, be able to, you'll be able to get that uh, <laughs> little tinkle, tinkle, tinkle yeah. there from, from Bewitched. <laughs> Um, but anyway, you'll be able to get that online. They will be $16 and 66 cents and that will be free shipping within the United States. Uh, yeah. So that will be on there and hopefully there'll be a few other items on there. Um, we'll have to see, but I'm definitely gonna be working on new stickers, new shirts. So for those that are interested, not only will they be able to see the tattoo works of all the most recent artists and, uh, some of the other things you'll tour the shop. There's a virtual tour that you can do, but they'll be able to see some of the needful things finally that are making up on the website. Fantastic. And, and again, that's artonyou.com. Tell you what, if you guys need a website, check out Warlock <laughs> Campbell. I'll tell you what, man. You, if Once you see our site, you will know his skills. And uh, for those of fellow citizens out there need some work, hit him up. He's, his work is Thank incredible. You. Really Thank is. you for that. Okay, well, I mean, it, it's coming up this weekend. I'll absolutely be there. I know that my is wife awesome. is... Kicking around where she wants to get another tattoo. <laughs> she's, she's a little more reserved than I am with the ink. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I wish you the best of luck. And let's, let's, audience, let's help make this one of the most successful inkathons in our own little way as we can. 
So uh, it's always a pleasure, Storm. Thank you for coming. No, thank you. I really, uh, I really appreciate every opportunity I have to, to be on your show. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Internet has extended battlefield and war on terror. <clears throat> this is posted May 5th from DemocratAndChronicle.com. Before Umar Farouk Abdul Muttalib tried to detonate explosives hidden in his underwear on board a Northwest Airlines flight, he visited Islamic chat rooms, where he wrote intimately about his struggle between liberalism and extremism. Before Nadal Hassan was charged with killing 13 soldiers at Fort Hood, Texas, he posted about suicide bombings and exchanged emails with Osama bin Laden acolyte Anwar al-Awlaki. And before Zokar and Tamerlan Sernev alleged placed bombs on Boston, Boston Street, Tamerlan watched YouTube videos of extremist Muslim preachers and possibly plucked the recipe for a pressure cooker bomb right off a virtual shelf. The internet has become crucial in the evolution of modern terrorism, experts say. Terrorism today is largely leaderless, executed by an informal, informal network of disaffected misfits, cloaked with a veil of anonymity. The disaffected radicalize with the help of the web's reassuring echo chamber. Hatred is stoked and jihad justified. The Boston Marathon bombings appear to be a pernicious reminder that the Internet has extended the battlefield in the war on terror. Terrorism expert Mitch Silber says that beginning in 07, signs began to emerge that radicalization on the Internet was happening in the U.S. cyber co-authored of the New York Police Department report, Radicalization in the West, the Homegrown Threat. There was no outside ideological sanctuary for the Fort Dix Six or the Times Square Bomber, he said. They learned about radical ideology online, and they self-propelled to launch terrorist plots. Since then, Silver said, there have been half a dozen in which individuals were radicalized, I'm sorry, plots, uh, with the help of the Internet, which has become a vital accelerant for radical ideas. In the 07 Fort Dix plot, six radical Islamist men conspired to attack U.S. military personnel in New Jersey. In 2010 Times Square plot, Faisal Shahzad tried to detonate an explosive-filled SUV near the entrance to Manhattan's Miskoff Theater. The Sirenev brothers' activity on the Internet suggests they learned about radical ideology online and had an interest in extreme Islamist figures years before the Boston attack. U.S. officials and Tamerlan Sarenev frequently looked at extremist sites, including Inspire magazine, uh, an English-language online publication produced by Al-Qaeda Yemen affiliate, instructions on how to make bombs out of pressure cookers similar to those used in the Boston explosives were published in the magazine. In August 2012, Tamerlan Sarenev created a YouTube channel with links to a number of videos with ties to radical Islamist causes. One features the firebrand Australian Muslim cleric Fiaz Muhammad, who has called for Muslim youth to become holy warriors. The site intelligence group, which monitors Islamist websites, said Zokar Sarenev followed someone on Twitter with the account A. Ferdowsia, which translates to the highest level of pal I'm sorry, paradise, Allah willing. 
Among the user's tweets was a message encouraging readers to listen to an audio series by Al Awalaki. While hard truths on the brothers' radicalization remain elusive, Zokar Sarnev told law enforcement officials the brothers acted on their own. Rabbi Abraham Cooper, who supervised the Simon Weisenthal Center's Digital Terrorism and Hate Project, said almost all recent terrorist attacks on American soil have been lone wolf, individuals who self-radicalized, often with the help of the internet, and either plotted or committed violence absent indirect command. The internet, Cooper said, offers a space where malcontents can find others who share their radical beliefs. There is a sense of empowerment and encouragement there that has completely been non-existent before the internet, Cooper said. What many people may not know about the history of hate online, Cooper said, is the first groups to pitch their tent were neo-Nazi, not Islamic fundamentalists. For the first time, they didn't have to go to the producer of a show to get on. They didn't have to pass muster with letter to the editor. They could do what they wanted and get to young people directly, Cooper said. Islamic extremists took a look at tactics being used by these groups who were anti-Muslim and co-opted them, he said. Al-Qaeda now uses the internet to target young Muslims all over the Western world. The question becomes how to combat such an amorphous threat. Cooper said there needs to be an organized plan where we maximize freedom of speech, but do a better job of in interdicting efforts to promote and execute I'm sorry, um, yeah, execute terrorism. Internet giants, governments from different democracies, and free speech advocates need to sit down around a table together. The logical next step is not handing over privacy to government, Cooper said, is to work together to degrade the subculture of digital terrorism online. Uh, spiritual pipe dreams, much? The idea that Internet giants, governments, and free speech advocates could come to an agreement over anything, let alone stifling hate speech online, is insane. You see, free speech advocates believe in free speech. Even, that's right, Speech against your political, sociological, religious agenda, which is construed as hate speech. Free speech advocates don't give a damn about internet giants slash corporations or governments. It doesn't matter to them. Those of us who cherish free speech... Shit, my show is uh, proof in the pudding here, people. Those of us who cherish free speech don't want any restriction. And that means that you're going to have radical fundamentalists yelling and shouting at the same decibels as we are. And that's okay. You see, it's not the speech that we have to address. It's not the act of speaking or the freedom of dissemination of speech that we have to address. It is the notion that there is somehow this invisible place that you go to when you die that is good and loving because that is what is at core of the fundamentalist 
twisting of minds. It's not that, oh, your life is so bad that's going to make you blow up a bomb strapped to your chest. It's, your life is so bad because it's their fault, but if you strap this bomb to your chest and you blow them up, you're going to go to a wonderful place where there are virgins for you to sexually assault without consequence. And peace and love, you'll join your family in an instant, in a flash, and you won't feel a thing. That's the problem! It is the invisible place you go when you die. That notion, that's the problem. We all understand that we disagree about virtually everything. That's what's truly wonderful about this world is that we have individual thought. And the expression of that individual thought is a truly American value. And we will not... Okay, well, we have. <laughs> Corporately driven. We will not individually relinquish. It is this idea of an afterlife. It is this idea of God's. It is this idea of a plan, this greater scheme of things that we're just a minute part of. That's what's causing this stuff. That's what's allowing terrorism to be perpetuated. Now, everyone knows we were founded on the premise, America specifically, of separation of church and state. And it is recent, in the past hundred or so years, that Christians have tried to obliterate that freedom. But now Muslims, now Islamists, and shit, if you're talking uh, Israel, now Jews have been trying to stifle free speech for quite some time. They've been trying to stop you from being able to express yourself. That breeds violence as well. So, don't stop freedom of speech. Encourage it. Don't perpetuate this ridiculous notion of an invisible person giving you a divine plan and allowing you to make these insane decisions, murdering people, because you're going to be okay when it's all over. You're going to be taken care of because you're on the right side. No one is on the right side. No one. There. You know why? There is no right side. It's all manufactured. It's all made up. We are a floating rock in a giant chasm of space. And all we have is our expressions. Why not make them something that's meaningful to you? Not to some manufactured deity. And don't take away free speech, you fucks. You don't give up your freedoms for fear or for this imagined blanket of security. What kind of cowards are you? Let's move on to, uh, well, let's take a short break, and then we'll move on to the uh, creature feature. What are we really talking about here? The Metro. What's the essence? Indulge yourself in that decadent decade of excess, the 1980s. All right. Listen to Radio Free Satan's very own program of music from the decade. That's going to be radical. With your host, Jay Nothing. What's he like, our boss? Or what? No, no, he's a supervisor. He's not here at night. The Metro on Radio Free Satan. Nah, get out of town, 
just you and me in the stiffs alone here? An hour of new wave, post-punk, and other retro music from the 1980s. Yeah, okay, we can make stuff, we can read, coffee. This is great. I like it. Listen to The Metro, only on RadioFreeSatan.com. Good. It's set. See you tomorrow night. Seriousness is next to godliness. Faith is a virtue for the solemn and serious mind. Be God-fearing, and laugh not, for laughter is a tool of the devil. Remain pious and sanctimonious at all times. <laughs> laughter is an evil which, which, oh, the hell with it. Listen to The Devil's Mischief, a unique weekly podcast of most carnal comedy and netherworld novelty, hosted by your most irreverent reverend, Bill M., who serves up a new devilishly delightful mix of laughter each and every week on The Devil's Mischief. Tune in and indulge your funny bone today. Listen to The Devil's Mischief, available now at RadioFreeSatan.com. What's this show called? What do you mean, what is it called? You know, what's the name of the show? What, like the title? What's the title of the show? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, what's the big deal? What's the title of the show? Look, it should be good enough for you and for any of you other Generation Y's or X's or W's or Z's or or whatever fancy letter you're sitting on today to, to realize that it's not about what the title is. It's not about... When I was your kid, there's only one thing that we had growing up. When we wanted to watch a show, we just turned on the telly on uh, Saturday mornings, and you know what we got? Do you know? Do you have any idea that what we got? No, I have no idea. Why are you freaking out? Every single Saturday, and we didn't know what shows were, what what titles were, or or what we, we had no choices on what to watch. We were stuck with the creature feature, and so are you. The Evil Dead. <laughs> okay, so this review is coming from a point of loving the original. Actually, a lot more than number two. I like a little bit more serious take on my horror than, than comedy. But I watched number two, The Evil Dead 2, and I really did dig the sort of campiness of it, the, the B-movie aspect of it. Then Army of Darkness really kind of threw me for a loop. Much more comedy-centric, much more campy-centric. Little bit of horror influence. And uh, a little weird sort of medieval influence in it. So when I heard about The Evil Dead being remade, I was really dubious. I, I, I didn't really want to have something that was supposed to be B-movie, campy horror made into this sort of serious experience, serious remake. And then I saw who was behind it. And I thought, well, if, if I mean, Bruce Campbell, if he's going to be a producer, then he has to care about his legacy. So he wants it taken seriously. And then I saw the movie. And here's what you need to understand about Evil Dead. It is not a toe-for-toe remake. It is a reimagination. So it takes elements of the first, and sure, there are Easter eggs. So keep that in mind when you're watching it, people, fans of the uh, episode two and, and uh, Army Darkness. Um, 
there are nods to the Evil Dead that we all know and love so much. But this is very much a reimagination of the Evil Dead. It is gory. There is a lot of gore and blood. Some pretty good frights. Some pretty good scares. But it's good. At its core, it is horror, as it should be. And, as with any amazing horror movie, it is amplified tenfold by its soundtrack. <clears throat> so, quickly, let me speak to that. The Evil Dead soundtrack makes the Evil Dead. It truly pays off every single scare in this. Every single freak out. Every, everything. It is an amazing soundtrack. It is something that I will be using for ritual music in years to come. It is that good. Okay, that being said, let's talk about the story. And this is actually from their website. In the much-anticipated remake of the 1981 cult hit horror film, 520-something friends became holed up in a remote cabin. When they discover a book of the dead, they unwittingly summon up dormant demons living in the nearby woods, which possess the youngsters in succession. Only one is left intact to fight for survival. And it's not the one you think. Now, I don't want to give away sort of the ending, but let's just say the movie could easily have ended 15 minutes, maybe 25 minutes before it actually did. But it didn't. And you will be glad that it didn't. Because that those last 15-20 minutes truly pay truly pay homage to the originals that we know and love. Okay, so from that, the story specifically. Um, this girl is trying to get off of heroin. She's trying to kick her addiction. And so she enlists her friends. And surprisingly to every character, her brother... Um, to help her fight uh, the <clears throat> the drug, so to speak. And so she goes and, and sort of fight the addiction. On its face, that wasn't very interesting. And, and the character archetypes are expected a little bit trite. What this movie excels at, and like I said before, music primarily, but then also the frights. The scenes and the gore and the situations that you know are coming and you can see them a mile away so they aren't a surprise but they're scary nonetheless and they get you and and to say that about a movie nowadays it's it's a big deal i mean we are so numb having seen it all and experienced it all in the horror genre it is fantastic to see a movie knowing what's coming and still want to look away or still cringe while you continue to glare because what's great about this movie is it doesn't at least in my opinion it doesn't celebrate gore it just gives it to you unashamedly it doesn't try to hide it it doesn't try to sugarcoat it it's not trying to hype up what it's about it's just saying this is the situation and this is what these characters are doing and this is what these demons are making these characters doing and you're going to watch every gory second. <laughs> that's, 
is what is fantastic about this show. It is truly good. And what I love the most about it is that there are those little Easter eggs paying off the original. But it is so original and different on its own. I mean, the Evil Dead background of the Necronomicon pays true appreciation with H.P. Lovecraft and the Necronomicon and the, the Cthulhu mythos. And that's really at the back end of the Evil Dead experience. And it doesn't try to hide it. You know, it's not... It, it, it's, I don't think it's even capitalizing that much on the idea of it. It's just presenting in a very entertaining way. I, I loved this movie. My wife and I saw it in the theater, and we were the only two people in the theater. We actually saw it this last week, so it was fairly recent. But um, it was produced by Rod Tappert, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, you know, the people who brought you Evil Dead. Directed by, um, I'm going to butcher this, Fide Alvarez. And he and Rodo Sayegues actually wrote the screenplay. And the cast is backed up by Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Lou Taylor Pucci, Jessica Lucas, and Elizabeth Blackmore, and Demons, and the Necronomicon, and the Cabin in the Woods. The original Cabin in the Woods, as far as I'm concerned. And the Chainsaw. <laughs> You must see this movie if you loved or even if you remotely liked the original. If you had fun drinking with your friends watching The Evil Dead or Army of Darkness, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. And then you really should investigate the soundtrack because it is moving, it is passionate, it is terror-filled, God damn it, it's everything I love about a horror movie soundtrack, and it's everything that I've never had out of a horror movie soundtrack. It's that good. So, check it out. The Evil Dead, out now. You will not regret it, but you may feel a little sick afterward. <laughs> but that is going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. No, seriously, I would love it. Absolutely love it. Like, I would, I would look in a mirror at your reflection of correspondence and yeah i would uh you know love it <laughs> in a totally dirty way <laughs> visit the web that sounded so much more creepy than i wanted it to visit the website nine cents and send your correspondence to info at nine cents you can hear my asthma kicking in now let me know of any suggestions critiques corrections or general comments you might have you can visit the Satan Net, Facebook, Google Plus, my Twitter, or MySpace page. That's right, MySpace. Uh, for nine cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at NineCentsPodcast.com. We are also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. So look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, the source for online satanic media. Once again, your asthma-inflicted host. Thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host. That didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Adam Campbell. And until next week with, I promise, less homebrew. Hail Satan. <laughs>